Otherwise with Nancy Richards. Thanks very much for Sound Out Otherwise coming to you from the mother city here in Cape Town. Team today, I'm Nancy Richards, Hazel Mikrozani and Des Skippers. Well, what we have on the show today, uh, one definitely for mothers or one perhaps or for sons and daughters to be thinking about giving their mothers, a magazine called Fabulous Woman. We'll be talking to the editor, Ponzo Manzi. And then owning a franchise said to be a very popular move for women in particular with the Franchisee and Entrepreneurial Expo on at present. We're going to be talking to a former Franchisee of the Year, that's Masaryk van Staden. And then after the news headlines, the women of Marikana, a writer-researcher, looks at what life is like for women living in the area. And not a pretty sight it isn't. No, not a pretty sight it is. And to close in our women's organisations, groups, etc., both locally and internationally, we're going to be talking to a young woman from Denmark who tells us how things are for women in what's said to be a very gender-progressive country. So it should be interesting. Stay with us. A little bit of a look around what's news. Well, we're going to be hearing about how life is for women in Denmark later on, as you hear. But for women elsewhere in the world, life can be pretty hazardous. A woman in Rio has been shot, albeit accidentally, in the mouth with a harpoon. Her husband was apparently cleaning his spear gun when it accidentally went off through her mouth and hit her in the spine. Miraculously, she has survived. But imagine what that does to a fish. Whilst in Israel, it seems it may not be hazarded, but, but certainly not very pleasant. Back of the bus seating for women using public transport in Israel would be outlawed soon. Its justice minister said yesterday, pledging sweeping legislation to stop Jewish zealots trying to enforce gender segregation in many spheres of life. Women who insist on sitting in the front of buses in Jerusalem have been subjected at times to verbal and sometimes physical assault. Well, imagine if all women had to sit on the back of the buses here in South Africa. I guess they wouldn't move. Locally, on the issue of female justices, uh, justice, a, uh, a spokesperson said that many female and black advocates who had left the, left the profession because of a lack of briefs from the state, which was the biggest consumer of legal services, and that was in reply to Justice Minister Jeff Hadebe, who said his department was well on its way to fast-tracking the appointment of black and female justices to the bench and that 32 women had already been selected. One hopes so. On the health front, just to let you know that whilst uh, this Sunday may be Mother's Day, it's also ME Day, and if you don't know what that is, it's myalgic encephalomyelitis, and for anyone suffering, you will know that any sort of recognition of this debilitating condition will be absolutely welcome. Just reading from a piece in the paper here, World ME Day coming up this Sunday, an appropriate time for us to ask whether sufferers from this common and horrible illness in South Africa will have any chance of recovery. Although current diagnosis and treatment is in general low-tech, its availability, unfortunately, depends on the mental paradigms and attitudes of healthcare providers. She goes on to say, this is Elizabeth Murray, sufferers from severe stages of ME, chronic fatigue syndrome, may be bed-bound for decades on end until they die of other causes. Very understandably, it carries a risk of suicide. So our sympathies to anyone suffering from ME, which is a, a indeed a debilitating condition, and if the medical profession would recognise it, that would be a start. And just lastly, Mother's Day this Sunday, and just a little bit of info for you. South Africans are set to spend close on half a billion rand on Mother's Day this year. Globally, Mother's Day is the third biggest retail celebration after Christmas and back-to-school spend, followed by Valentine's Day and Easter, and Father's Day squeaks in just ahead of Halloween. And it seems in the UK um, they spend something like uh, something like three times as much on... Yeah, Britons spend three times more on Mother's Day than Father's Day. Oh, shame, you know. 
<laughs> something to think about. Anyway, um, it's something like in America, Americans spent 18.6 billion rand. Britons, as you heard, three times more on mothers and on fathers. Uh, 5.6 billion rand last year. In South Africa, it seems that they're very keen on, on giving gift cards and the average spend is around 140 rand. Uh, the gift card market has soared in South Africa from 300,000 gift cards in 2006 to 3.3 million. So if you're a mum and you get a gift card, well, the trend is uh, definitely indicated towards it. But also interesting to note that Mother's Day gifts are changing as well. Almost 13% of mothers with gift cards opt for electronics, such as tablets and digital cameras. And in the past, the top five gifts for mothers were flowers, chocolate, alcohol, beauty treatments, or a card. But research currently shows that gifts uh, are for now for hairstylists, jewellers, gyms, fancy homeware stores, and clothing outlets. So maybe mothers are changing. You're listening to Otherwise. Do stay with us. I'm Tia Singamoni. It was 16 years ago that my father started working at Total as a forecourt attendant. Growing up, there wasn't a man I admired more. In 2009, Total awarded the bursary that helped me get my degree in economics. Today, I'm following in his footsteps working as an intern at Total. They're helping me reach my full potential and that's why I'm proud to be part of Total achieving level 2 BEE status. Tears, we couldn't be prouder of you. Total, the journey of transformation continues. Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at 6 for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. With breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights and the story behind the story, we're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update, weeknights right here on SAFM at 6. 7 million children in South Africa go to school every day without shoes. Join Flipper Friday movement in partnership with SAFM. Let's make a difference to a soul this winter by wearing a pair of flip-flops on Friday the 31st of May 2013. Purchasing a pair of flip-flops will afford an underprivileged child to own a pair of school shoes. To join the movement, go to www.flipflopfridaymovement.co.za Otherwise, with Nancy Richards. Indeed, otherwise, talk with me, Nancy Richards, talking women, talking fabulous women with uh, Mother's Day coming up on Sunday. There are going to be lots of women who are feeling very, very fabulous. Well, Fabulous Woman is, a, is a, a very fabulous title for a woman who's aspiring to be absolutely smashing. And uh, we have on the line Ponzo Mansi to tell us a little bit more about it. She's the editor. Hi, Ponzo. Hi, how are you, Nancy? Excellent, thanks very much. Fabulous very Woman. Well. What a fabulous title. Was it your title? How, how did it come about? Uh, Nancy, Fabulous Women, it came about um, in 2011. I launched an inspirational woman diary called Diary for Fabulous You. It is just a simple diary with different themes for each and every month. Themes like January, spirituality. February theme was loving yourself and letting go of past hurts. We had themes like uh, running your own race and compete with your old self. And the feedback I received from South African women who bought the diary said, Ponzo, we really, really need constant inspiration. We cannot wait for a beautiful uh, diary once a year. We need constant inspiration. And that's when Fabulous Women magazine was born. I mean, we got beautiful feedback from women in Cape Town, old 
young women saying, you know, I thought I love myself, but after reading your diary, I realized that mm, I still have a lot of work to do on myself. Self-love is very important. So the diary was very encouraging, and we realized that for constant inspiration, what more than having a publication, because there is power in media. You know, you, we can touch more lives um, having a publication like Fabulous Women magazine. It's a quarterly magazine, glossy, very unique and exclusive, inspirational magazine with emphasis on spirituality. The magazine aims to inspire, we aim to encourage, transform, motivate, and uplift women to embrace their dreams. I mean, we realize that a lot of women do not embrace their dreams. They do not believe in themselves. They believe that the world is for men, and it's not like that. As long as you have power and you believe that you are the best thing ever, you can make it in life. The magazine carries timeless and relevant articles and advice from beautiful freelance writers and other contributors aimed at modern South African women. It's the only, only magazine in South Africa that deliberately aims to unite women. Mm. Women need to unite. We need to stand together on issues affecting women across all cultures and also to support each other in fighting the cause of women. I mean, there's a lot going on around the world. You know, women are abused. Women are I just go yeah, don't we know it? Don't we know it? So you say that it's the only magazine that is uniting women, but it's not the only magazine directed at women in South Africa or across the world. I mean, there are many, and many of them suffering tough times at the moment as, you know, the world switches to sort of digital, uh, you know, digital reading. It was a brave thing to bring out another magazine for women. Absolutely, absolutely. What's the best time to bring out a magazine than in challenging times? We believe that um, it's a beautiful concept and the feedback was really, really overwhelming. We really, really got support from a lot of women. It's a print magazine for now. We'll be going into the digital space in the next issue in June 2013 and we believe that we will touch more lives. When you say uniting women, what do you mean by that? Do you mean uh, bringing women of different cultures and backgrounds together? Yes, we believe that women are not united. I mean, a simple thing like with men, they meet in a golf course and they just click and strike a deal there and support each other in business. We realize that after a lot of research that we conducted, women are not united. Women judge each other. They do not uplift each other. They do not believe in each other. So it is time that we rise up and say, let's come together. Let's build each other. I am your sister and you are my sister. We do not have to compete. You have your own journey and I have my own journey. As long as women can realize that, we believe that the world will be a beautiful place to live in because women are influential and we are also powerful. Yeah, I, I don't know that women don't uh, support one another. I, I think, you know, actually women tend to be quite supportive. You get groups of women, you get uh, support groups of women. I, I'm not sure that that I would say that women don't, and I hear what you say, there can be a bit of judging and sort of put her down syndrome, that sort of thing. But there the, is, I must say, Nancy, there is a lot of pull, pull, pull her down syndrome mm. amongst women. There is a lot. I mean, you look at South Africa, for example, um, there's few successful businesswomen in South Africa. The question is, are they supporting upcoming young women? or should I say upcoming business women, you know, we feel that they are not. With the research we conducted, a lot of women are complaining. They say, we do not get access to this influential women in South Africa. All they do, they scream in media that they are supporting us, but they don't. You meet that woman in an event and ask for contact details. 
she'll refer you to her website, a simple thing. So we realize that clearly a lot of women are complaining and they believe we are not united and they believe that we do not support each other and they believe that there is a lot of pull-head-down syndrome amongst women instead of being together and supporting each other. I'm just reading your reader profile, women between the age of 23, 55, LSM, 6 to 10, sophisticated, socially engaged, women in a way who've almost arrived. How much is, is it per issue? The issue is 27.95. And and it, yeah. Yes. And it comes out quarterly? Yes, quarterly. Have you got, have you got many subscribers? Not at the moment. Mm. Um, we are really working hard marketing the magazine all over South Africa and also the world. It's amazing that some of our issues were in Namibia and the feedback was really, really amazing. Mm. You know, we got support from Namibians as well. And yeah, we're looking at taking out to African countries as well. So yeah, working you very know, hard for marketing it. In a minute, we're going to be talking to a young woman from Denmark who's going to tell us what life is like for women in Denmark. Do you mm. think Fabulous Woman tells the story of what life is like for women in South Africa. A fabulous woman talks about a woman who doesn't believe in, in herself and all we do is saying, stand up, do something about your life, mm-hmm. believe in yourself. You are the best thing ever. Love yourself, value yourself, and the world will be a better place. We believe that women have issues with self-esteem. They do not believe in themselves. They do not embrace their dreams. So it is time we rise up, embrace our dreams, and believe in ourselves. I'm going to give out your website because I'm sure there are a lot of women who would like to believe more in themselves. But you, I believe you've got uh, uh, a Women Inspiring Women inaugural ball coming up on the 31st yes, of May. Yes, absolutely, on the 31st of May. Where's that? So it's, it's at the venue in Melrose Arch. Okay. Women Inspiring Women uh, inaugural ball is our non-profit organization called Fab Girls Foundation. The Fab Girls Foundation was founded in 2009. We go throughout South Africa in villages, townships, rural areas, running workshops on self-love, self-value, you know, brand management, impression management. We also assist these young women with getting them learnerships. We help them with career planning and so forth. And we realize that it is time we celebrate them. These young women are not celebrated. They are stuck in townships. They are stuck in villages. They lost hope. They don't believe in themselves. So the ball is all about them, celebrating them. We are saying, young women, you can make it in life. We've invited a lot of celebrities as well as some of SA's most inspiring women who came on board and say, I will share my journey with these young women to tell them that, yes, you can rise above your current circumstances. If I made it, you can also make yeah. it. So that's, that's what the, the event is all about. And oh, we believe that after the event, these young women will be able to get mentors who will mentor them because clearly, Nancy, I can't do everything my, yeah, you know, sure. on my own. I really, really need support to make sure that this initiative goes forward. So, yes, well, that's le- what the event is all about. Lovely. Well, let me give out the details because is it is it open? Are still t- tickets still available for the ball? Yes, it's available. The tickets are available. The tickets per individual cost 300 rand. And we also sell corporate tables, corporates who want to support this initiative. The corporate table for 10 is only 5,000. So we will put young women, you know, in those tables with successful women and then so that they can learn to build yeah. their self-confidence right. and understand that they can make it in life. It's a small price for a corporate to pay to put young it's women on very, the map. Absolutely. It's a very, very small price. Totally it's a very, very small price. I mean, we were so impressed by other corporate companies like your Vodacom who came on board and say, hey, will support you, will support the young women. So we really, really need support. We are calling all corporates to come on board, buy a table for only 5000 and make sure that 
the youth of South Africa is pride, and these young women can contribute to our society. Lovely. Ponso, I'm going to give out your details once again. I'm going to give the website. I'm sure it's all all the information's on that. Very best of luck. And, Thank you so much, Nancy. Have a super day. Thank you, and you. Ponso Mansi, and she is the editor of Fabulous Woman. If you'd like to find out more, more about the inaugural ball on the 31st of May happening in Melrose Arch for the Fab Girls Foundation, or about the magazine, or maybe you'd like to read it, or write about it, or write to it, fabuloswoman.co.za, fabuloswoman.co.za. This is SAFM. Well, next up here on Otherwise Talking of Women and Fabulous Women, the FASA International Franchise and Entrepreneurial Expo is on at present at the Santon Convention Centre, running through until tomorrow, incidentally, if you want to get yourself along there. But franchises are said to be much favoured by women because they offer them a sort of safety net that a normal start-up business just doesn't have. We have on the line Masrik van Staden. She's the owner of the Tina Cowley Reading Centre in Gazina, Pretoria. And she was, uh, back in 2011, she was FASA's Franchisee of the Year. Got her on the line. Hi, Masrik. Hi, Nancy. How are you? Excellent, thanks. How are you? Very well, thank you. So are you still a franchisee? I am still a franchisee, yes. Hmm. The Tina, um, Tina Cowley Reading Centre in Gazina, what is that? Tell us about it. Basically, Tina Cowley is an educational business where we provide a service um, not only to learners with learning difficulties, but also to learners who want to improve on their academic marks even further. So we provide them with the opportunity to come for extra reading classes or therapy where we teach them the necessary skills to enhance their reading speed, reading ability, and as well as their comprehension. Because at Tinakali, we believe that a learning problem, in essence, is actually a reading problem. And if you give them the tools of reading, they will succeed better in all of their subjects, not only their languages, but also maths, because you have to be able to read the questions correctly, etc., etc. It's a business, then, not an NGO. Very often things to do with reading and, uh, and literacy and improving academics are, are, are seen as sort of NGO territory, but yours is a business. Yeah, it's a franchise. Um, so it's a business-based structure that we work from. We have a franchise law. Um, obviously, it is about generating an income from yeah. the learners' fees that they pay monthly. But in essence, we are not in the business of running a business. We okay. still work with our hearts and with a passion and a love for education. But Tinakauli is some thing that can provide you with the opportunity to work in a much closer unit with the learners than any school would ever be able to offer you. How many branches are there? There's over a hundred Tinakauli franchises. And what did it cost you to, or a couple of questions here really, yes. what did it cost you to become a franchisee and why did you choose this particular business? Were you looking for this particular business or were you looking for a franchise? Basically, when I um, started to make career decisions in my life, um, the choice seemed to be quite obvious. I wanted to teach. Hmm. But both my parents were teachers, and we were grown up in a, in a teaching environment. And being it that teaching is not a half-day job, as many people would like to think, it is difficult yeah. to have your own family and still manage teaching um, successfully. So we started looking at other options and uh, at the school where my teachers were 
uh, my, my parents were teaching at that time, there was a Tinakali reading center. So we started doing our research and uh, we actively saw the results that the learners gained from attending Tinakali in the practice, in the school environment. And um, we realized that instead of teaching, this was actually more of a realistic dream that I wanted to live out. So, yeah, we started to do our marketing research and we decided to go ahead and and do it. Yeah. And that was almost nine years ago now. Oh, gosh, you've yeah. for a yeah. long time. I'm just thinking, I suppose they could sort of franchise out being a teacher and I wonder if that would make a big difference. But did, <laughs> did it, how much did it, if I can ask, how much did it cost you to buy into it? Well, being it was nine years ago, yeah. we, we paid quite... Um, a good price for it. I mm. think a franchise now is going for 400000 but it includes everything, everything that you need, all your computers, the training for the franchisee. Um, so I think it's a very uh, affordable franchise mm. option, being that you only need to go and look for a space where you can present these classes then. So when you say it gives you everything, the computers as well? Yes, the computers, okay. the programs. So all you've got to do is find the venue? You have to find a venue and you have to start doing your market research and then advertisements. And you've presumably got to undergo some sort of training yourself? Yes, yes. If, if, you, buy, if you purchase yeah. the franchise, that um, the training is part of that. Because it's quite a highly branded by the sounds of it, I mean, Tina Cowley, it's, you know, it's, it's the name. They've got to be yes. absolutely sure that you're doing all the right things and not damaging their reputation in any definitely. way. Do they, do they keep their tabs on you to make sure that you're delivering at all times? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, Tina is a very personalized franchisor, if I can call her that. Um, she knows each and every one of us, and we have uh, a strong management. I'm also part of the management, and we gather every term. And then every area also has an area manager, where that area manager stands in for Tina in every area to um, ensure that everything is on track and that everybody is still certain of what they're doing. And we also have to meetings each term with our area to ensure that everything is up to date. And then as well as a monthly batch report that we have to send in to head office um, stating our growth um, and our results. So you've got to keep your socks well pulled up. Definitely, yeah. Is there, definitely. As a franchisee, is there a ceiling? I mean, you can grow, you can grow your particular area as, as big as you like, but is there a point where actually you've reached the limit of how, how big you can go? Um, I don't believe so, because there are even franchisees with more than one franchises. So you can, you can take it out to uh, another area as well. And in your franchise, you ha I have the opportunity to um, also send new therapists to, to um, work for you. Yeah. So you send them to Tina and they train them and they come back. So you can always increase your, your, lim um, your amount of kids that you reach. So if you have the space and you have the drive, you can actually grow and grow and grow. And Tina herself provides us with very, very um, good training mm -hmm. opportunities. Every year we have um, a day where we, which is allocated for training, whether it is retraining and just getting you up to date yeah. and refreshed, like a good or deal. whether it's new programs it that she incorporates into the therapy to help you to grow even mm -hmm. further. 
just that it sounds to me like you're actually at the franchise um, uh, expo at the moment. It sounds quite busy there. But just lastly, um, right at the beginning, it, uh, you know, I was saying that it's said that a franchise, uh, starting up a franchise or owning a franchise is, is a good deal for a woman because it gives her a sort of safety net. Um, I don't know what you paid nine years ago, but whatever you paid, do you feel that do you feel safer as a businesswoman being part of a franchise or owning a franchise than had you set up your own business? I mean, what do you think? Definitely. Um, when you start out with a business, even though it being being a franchise, there's definitely a lot of support have in the franchise. Have you made any mistakes? Have they bailed you out? <laughs> well, they're, they're very fast to pick up the phone and tell you that um, maybe you should look at this or yeah. you should look at that. Um, but they are very supportive yeah, yeah. of you to, to help you then in the right direction. So they're not there to, to punish you. And to, yeah, um, it's in everybody's interest that you succeed. It's been really interesting, Masaryk, I mean, not least the, the, the content of the, of the franchise that you own. If, uh, would anybody like to know more? Um, Tina Kali, have you, is there a website? Yes, there is. There is a website. You can go and Google Tina Kali even, and you will get to our website. Um, so tinakali.co.za. Yes. Lovely. Well, very Thank best of luck. So Congratulations much. on your title, and good luck with your work. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, Nancy. Take nice care. speaking to you. Cheers. Masaryk van Staden, she's, uh, as you heard there with Tina Cowley, if it seems like it would be www.tinacowley.co.za if you'd like to know more about that. If you'd like to know more about franchising, if you can get yourself to the FASA International Franchise and Entrepreneurial Expo, it's on right now at the Santon Convention Centre through until tomorrow. You're listening to Otherwise, it's 1.30, headline time with Sander. Thank you, Nancy. Good afternoon. Eight of the Tswane Metro Police officials allegedly involved in escorting the Gupta family from Vatiklov Air Force Base to a wedding at Sun City in Northwest will have their guns confiscated before the end of today. This after they were formally suspended from their duties. Anglo-American Platinum has unveiled its revised proposal and says it will now retrench approximately 6,000 workers. The company had planned to cut 14,000 jobs. And Gary Kirsten has decided not to renew his contract as Proteus coach. For SAFM News, I'm Asanda Matsaunyane. Details at 2 o'clock. Any plans for Sunday, Nancy? Well... <laughs> You, you, uh, I have to tell you, I'm going to be working. I'm going to be doing SFM literature. But there has been talk, there have been rumours in our household that something may be happening. So I'm fingers crossed that I might at least get a cup of tea in bed or possibly even more. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> and you? I'm also hoping for a surprise. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Love surprises. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Take care. Well, you're listening to Otherwise, in a minute you're going to be hearing us chatting about uh, the women of Marikana, how life is for them, and also how life is for women in Denmark, so stay tuned. But uh, let's find out what's happening in Soweto with the tennis. Hi, Natalie. Good afternoon to you, Nancy. Well, it's semi-finals time, and at the moment the second semi-final is on court with a number one seed, Timia Babelshev, Hungary leading. She took the first set 6-2. She's up 5-3 and now serving for the match over Teodora Mircic of Serbia. Early on today, we saw South Africa's Chanel Simmons make it through to the finals. She beat Nadia Kuchinok of the Ukraine, the number four seed, 6-2 and 6-2. It's been a very tough day for the players. It's been very windy and certainly quite a lot colder. And after the match, uh, Kuchinok did say that the wind did not suit her game at all. She prefers to be a lot more aggressive and the wind didn't allow her to do that and didn't allow her to stay consistent. Chanel Simmons, on the other hand, said that she recognized this and she felt that all she had to do was stay consistent and make her keep on playing. And that's exactly what she did and it worked perfectly for 
for her. So Chanel Simmons is through to the finals of the singles. After this match, it's on centre court at the moment. She will be up in the doubles as well. She's paired up with Magdalenets of Poland. They're the number one seeds for the tournament. And they've come through the draw pretty easily. Um, they haven't really had too much uh, to work to do to get to the final stage. They will be up against Samantha Murray and Jade Windley, both from Great Britain. Natalie Chimanis for SAFM Sport. Thanks very much, Natalie. But right here, you're listening to Otherwise, and in a minute we're going to be hearing what life is like for women, young women, old women, all women in Denmark. So stay, stay with us for that. But first up, well, I have to say, for all the column inches, all the airspace that the events of Marikana led to, very few seem to have been around the women in the mining town there. But Yazid Kamaldin is a researcher, he's a freelancer, and in the May issue of Marie Claire, he writes... Overwhelming desperation fills the voice of Laura Makutle Flepu as she sweeps her house in the troubled mining town of Marikana. And the story goes on, and a very, very uh, wrenching story, I have to say it is. We've got him on the line. Hi, Yazid. Hello. You. Hi, Yazid. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, tell me, how come you got to be writing this particular article? Were you commissioned? Was it of personal interest to you? Yeah, I was commissioned last year to do research for a, a publication um, in Cape Town, and the publication focused more on workers' rights and just the general living conditions of mine workers in Cape Town. Uh, sorry, in, in sorry, my mistake in in Marikana yeah. and other mining towns. So what happened was um, I just came across the the wealth of stories of women as well. Now, women had mobilised. Um, for, for workers' rights as well. So it wasn't just the men who were, you know, fighting for, for better salaries, but the women were there in support. And then I picked up on this thread, and I'd interviewed a number of women and so on, and I thought, well, the story needs to get out. Yeah. I then contacted Marike Magazine, and they were willing to publish the story. Yeah, so that's essentially what happened. And subsequent to that, I then also went on and worked as a researcher on a documentary film about Marikana and mining towns. Okay. As well. Okay, the story on the women had to get out. How did you how did you get the story? Did you go and speak to the women? Were they willing to talk to you? How did it actually work? Definitely, the women were willing to speak to me. Uh, I was traveling in Marikana and Moinoy and also Rastenburg, and from just witnessing sort of uh, very desperate conditions that people living in these mining towns. Um, you know, there was just a sense of a, a, a spirit amongst the women as well of saying, well, we want better lives too. Mm -hmm. This isn't just about our husbands or our fathers. You know, I also interviewed women mine workers. Yeah. And, you know, because the voices were very much just about these men sitting on a copy and, and, and unfortunately who were killed by the police. And concurrent to that with these women saying, well, hey, we are also here and this is what we want. Yeah, and many women uh, going underground. I'm reading from your story here. I get up at 3 a.m. and I get to the mine at 5 a.m. It takes me an hour to get to work in the morning. And one of the other things that was not surprising, I guess, but pretty shocking was that the women were subjected to, to quite a lot of jealousy. Um, there were not so there were quite a number of men who were not very happy about them being underground. It's crazy, right? I mean, mm. there's this woman that I speak to, and not just one, but also others, and they talk about how they are facing sort of not only the hardship of the job, but then also men discriminating against them in a very sort of male-dominated mining environment. Um, there's jealousy, yes. There's issues of job security, women taking, seemingly to be taking the jobs that men should be doing. And also a, 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 the thing about, you know, the, the sexual 
oppression, if you like, mm-hmm. that comes into play as well, where women were saying, well, if I don't have sex with a manager, then I'm not going to get promoted. And I spoke to one woman, and she said, well, she refused to do that, and, you know, she she um, she hasn't sort of, like, climbed the ranks, if you like. Um, but also the, the, the situation of, of mothers saying that I'm scared for my daughter because she works in a mine. I spoke to one mother. She was like, um, my daughter works in the mine. I've, I'm scared because, you know, um, my daughter was, was basically beaten by a, not sort of like beaten to a state where she was in a coma, but she was definitely um, beaten by a man on the job. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I'm reading that very story here, and it's really quite scary. The issue of, uh, also, you see, you know, the talk, the issue of uh, getting promotion. A few months ago, a woman was raped and killed when she went to work. It's so difficult to get a promotion. You must sleep with someone who can promote you. Um, but I refuse, so I won't get promoted. That's it's quite, it's quite shocking. The women were able to talk to you. Who else have they been able to talk to, to get some, to get some justice here? Yeah, you see, the, the, the story of women generally hasn't really come out in the mainstream media. You know, the newspapers are focused, of course, on the, uh, the number of mine workers who were killed on the copy, and then they focus subsequently on the Marikana Commission. Now, we have to remember that those men who died, they left behind families, they left behind wives and children, and those stories still need to be told as well, because beyond just the, the, the fight for salaries and the politics and the money, you know, it's, this is about real lives in mining towns. And I mean, my intro, when I, when I interviewed that one mother living with her children in a, a one-bedroom sort of house inside a mining complex, you know, a complex set up by the mine for families. And you just imagine, for the rest of this, of this woman's life, she's going to be stuck with a mine worker husband in this one-bedroom place with her children. Uh, I mean, the loving conditions, A, are terrible, and B, it's so isolated. You know, yeah, 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 and it's not like they've just arrived. I think, uh, in one instance, there's a there's a family who've been there for 15 years, yeah. and as you say, it's like a life sentence. Yeah, it's, it's it's really. I mean, what happens in small mining towns is really, it's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. I spent sort of about two weeks traveling through the three mining towns, and also in Gauteng, while Joburg, specifically talking to sort of women who had mobilized groups. Because there's support groups as well for the men. So, for example, um, the women would take food to the men who were on the copy when they were when they were protesting. Um, the men weren't allowed cell phones onto um, the copy, so they, they were, the only way the women could communicate with them was by going to them. You know, the men. The reason why they didn't want cell phones on there was because they didn't want quote unquote spies to inform mm-hmm. anyone outside the protest group of what was going on. It was it's a very volatile situation and. It was, and it's still is a very volatile situation because, you know, there's the union things going on and, and all that stuff. So the women played a very pivotal role in the protest of the striking mine workers. And continue to play a very pivotal role. But I think, you know, it's often said that when women get together, when they mobilise and they sort of group together, they can make things happen. It doesn't seem like it's so much happening here. Some of the things that they're asking for, apart from safety and security, is also some sort of resources so that they can do other work, so that they can create their own businesses. Do you see that this can happen? Do you see it happening? Well, if one goes through the mining towns and one considers that most of the jobs there, or probably like all the jobs there, are mostly, um, you know, some form of working at a mine. Um, and then one looks at, at how 
and intervention is required. There needs to be investment into enterprises, and that's what the one woman woman's group was calling for. They are saying, well, we are just sitting here. We can do something. We can sew. We can bake. We can do things with our hands, you know, to, um, to feed ourselves. It's just, you know, to, anyone knows that to start a small business, you do need a bit of money. You need, yeah. a, you need some investment. And it just seems that, you know, there's all this potential, these, uh, these groups and these women who are saying, yes, we want to do something, but it's just like nobody's actually stepping in and saying, well, okay, fine, let's partner, let's, here's money, we've got money, we can help you, um, let's see what we can do. Yeah. Well, Yazin Kamaldin, I want to say thank you for taking up the woman's cause and bringing the woman's story to light. And I really hope that your story gets syndicated so that it can be seen much, much further. It's in the latest issue of Marie Claire. That's the May issue of Marie Claire. Yazid, good luck. And we'll speak again, I'm sure. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Take okay, care. Okay. Bye. Great. Really nice to hear a, a man taking up the woman's story there, uh, Yazid Kamaldin. And if you'd like to read the story, The Women of Marikana, it's in the uh, May issue of Marie Claire. You're listening to Otherwise. Stay with us. Otherwise with Nancy Richards. Yeah, what a shocking story indeed. And don't forget, if you've got a story you'd like to share, you're so welcome to share it with us here. We are very much open to women's stories. Otherwise at safm.co.za is our email address. And you can find us on Facebook, it's otherwise on SAFM. Well, it's Friday, and to close in our fr regular Friday feature, which uh, I must say I have really been enjoying, on women's organisations, gatherings, museums, galleries, whatever they may be, locally or around the world. Today we're looking at women in Denmark, which is kind of a big gathering. I'm not sure what the population <laughs> of Denmark is, but certainly a large percentage of it would be female. And we have in the studio Fia Svestrup Hoistlet, yes. and, uh, and I hope I've given you done justice to your name fear lovely to you have, have you done. with us <laughs> fear is a young danish lady she's with in denmark she's with a, a school called chaos pilot and their purpose is to create positive societal change through personal growth and enterprise so uh, i imagine quite a lot of the people there are women lovely to have you with us welcome thank you what is what is what is welcome in danish Welcome. Oh, welcome. Oh, that was easy enough. <laughs> um, Fia, so you are here in South Africa, but just sort of cast your mind back to Denmark. I mean, mm. I don't know how long you've spent here in South Africa, but you've seen how things are for women. You've heard that shocking story of women in Americana. You've heard all sorts of other things. How are things generally? If I were to arrive in Denmark, how would I find things for women in your country? I think uh, you would find some very powerful women. In Denmark, where we are, we have, as have, as some people also know, a prime minister who's a who's a woman, and and I would say that the difference between men and women is not as big. And I think one of the most amazing things about Denmark is that there's a lot of um, focus on talking about equality between men and women, which is um, something that brings a lot of value into the conversations that we have back in Denmark. Yeah. Yes, it, it's definitely one of those countries held up as having their sort of gender equality mm. uh, is being worked on. Is it is it getting uh, more and more equal? Are things more equal now, would you say, for your generation than for your mothers or your grandmothers? Yes, I would definitely say. And there's put a lot more into focus of getting uh, more and more women into the organizational world. And there's a lot of initiatives within the government talking about should we actually make a law of having um, a specific percentage oh, of like a sort of quota members, system yeah, mm -hmm. within, uh, that has to be a woman. So yes, I would say that, that we are more privileged, if you yes. can say it. Yeah. Your female prime minister, whose name I, I don't have at my Helle Schmidt. 
that's why I don't have it at my <laughs> fingertips. <laughs> um, but she's been she's been in office, I think, for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Is she popular? Has she made a difference in women's lives? Do you think? Oof, that's a good question. Yes, I think, and I think um, one of the main things that she's made a difference is being at the post that she's is at, that she's in at the moment, and that she is presenting women to be also powerful women um, that can manage to both be a caring and wonderful mom for the kids that she has, but also staying in a position where she is uh, fighting for a lot of the principles. Mm. So she's acting as a sort of role model mm. herself. On an educational level, um, is it very 50-50? Do you have co-educational schools? Do you have boys' schools, girls' schools? It's all the mix. Mm. We actually do not have girls and girls and boys' schools. And one of the interesting parts that's happening at the moment with my generation is that uh, we have a, a quite even percentage within the high schools of uh, women and boys. However, when we come into the higher education, it's actually looked... Uh, now it's looking more to be mainly women who's in the higher education. Okay, okay. Is that posing a threat, do you think? I mean, guys of your age, your, you know, young men who are your sort of age, how do they feel? Is there a sort of... It's a good question. I think, I think to some extent it could be a threat. However, however, do, ooh, that's a good question. Well, clearly, perhaps yeah. it's not something that's come up, so yeah. maybe maybe it doesn't exist, you know, that there's a feeling sometimes that men can sort of feel very threatened where women are becoming very successful. Mm. T tell us a little bit about what you do at the Chaos Pilot, because that sounds like a very socially conscious organisation. What do they do? We call ourselves a creative business schools, and what uh, the motto of the school is that we're the best school for the world. And what we are is... Um, is connecting people from all over the world, um, mainly Scandinavian people that are going to the school. And we're going through some semesters within leadership and entrepreneurship, and mainly with the focus on social entrepreneurship, or how we can create more value and um, dream dream of a, of a better place to be here in the world and do projects together. One sort of imagines that things are going so well in Denmark, there's no room for improvement. But the, obviously there's challenges in any country. What are the biggest challenges in Denmark, do you say, do, do you think? I think it would be the, the economy, the finance, financial economy that we're facing at the moment, that we have some in unemployment. It's, of course, not as high as we have it here, mm. and we have a security net, but still we're facing a lot of close downs and a lot of companies that are moving to the, to the eastern countries because it's cheaper there and therefore... We are we are facing that the people don't have jobs, and we are um, a country that is mainly focused on you have to have a high education in yeah. order to get a job, and the generations that have been before me do not have these high educations, and therefore they do not have jobs. So, as you were saying, you know, that in the tertiary education, there's a high percentage of women, so they're all going to be coming out with this high qualification mm. and not able to get a job. A lot of people that you know starting their own businesses. Yes, they are. And I think we are beginning now to understand the mindset of a high percentage, maybe 70% of the of the jobs that the, that we are looking to be doesn't exist yet. So so now we have to all the time trying to connect all these different jobs and, uh, dots and, and try and connect our and create our new jobs. One of the things that I'm sure you will know that one of the, the issues about women going into business or whether it's starting their own business or, or joining a corporate is that they're going to have children someday along the line. 
Is the is the age of getting married and having children uh, lowering, or is it getting higher? It's getting higher. Okay, so women are having children later. Yeah, it's. I would say now it's mainly thirty two, thirty three, thirty four where we get our first kids, and that is the, the the big challenge of wanting to get into the to the corporate world and and do our best, and therefore we have to compete with a lot of men who. Uh, who's going in front and therefore we expand we are putting a bit of the family behind I, I don't know I don't know if you have children so I don't know if you would know I don't it, it, <laughs> probably don't know the answer to this yet but I remember talking to a couple at, at least it was a woman and I think she was pretty certain she was from Denmark and she said when she and her husband decided to have children he said he would pay her to stay at home and look after the children mm. is there is there quite a good attitude in terms of um, sharing the the load of looking after children would you say I would say it's getting better and that actually the government is at the moment in Denmark also working on um, forcing the, the the men and the women to, to share their maternity leave. Okay, so there's paternity leave as well as maternity leave. Yeah. 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 Okay. Lastly, I, I suppose... Um, I suppose the, the one of the ways of sort of uh, looking at a country to see what they're doing is to look at their arts, their writing, their... I, I'm thinking, is it... Karen Blixen, was it? Was she yeah. Danish? Yes, Karen <laughs> is there a, Is there a lot of writing and art coming out of Denmark from women, would you say? Yeah, but not in particular women. I would say it's a, it's a mixture of the men and the women. Okay. Yeah, okay. on the top of my head. Okay. Yeah. Well, enjoy your stay here, Fia, and thank you very thank much. You. And it's good to hear that things are going pretty well in your country, certainly for women. A lot of tourism? Do you, did you yes. get a lot of tourism? Yeah, especially yeah. in Copenhagen. Okay. Yeah. yeah, isn't that the, the home of... Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of all those things, lovely. And Fia, w- yeah. No, I would no. just even like to say if there's uh, any women out there who's very curious to know more about us Danish women, we are uh, a bunch of us at Badenkamp Street 36, okay. where our base is. Um, and you can even go on a homepage called 100inone.co.za where we're doing a movement of 100 interventions in one day where there actually are some women, women doing some initiatives here in Cape Town oh, wow. at the 25th of May. Okay, so that's 36 Batenkant Street in Cape Town. Mm-hmm. That's where you're based. 100 in one day. Yeah. 100 initiatives in one day. Yes. Sounds like a real woman's job. 100inoneday.co.za. And yes. is that 100 or in 100, numbers? yes, in numbers. In numbers. And then okay. in one as well. 100 in one day, with 100 and the one being numbers. Gosh. Fiat Svejstrup Hoistlet, thank you very much for joining us. Lovely. Thank you so much. And thanks very much, team, uh, for Otherwise. That's Hazel Mikozani and Des Gibbs. I'm Nancy Richards. Up next, it's Sharp Sharp, the children's programme. Sharp Sharp, children's programme on SFM with Leon Fisser. And it is Sharp Sharp, it's Sharp Sharp. Good day, listeners. Good day, Leon. Good day, everyone, and a good day to you, Blessing. Welcome. are important and how they help us understand the world better. Let's pick a colour to talk about today, kids. What do you think? 
Yuppie, let's do blue, Leon. Okay, blue it is. Blessing, what can you think of that is the color blue? Think of uh, water, the sky, and um, the sea is blue. And it also looks green sometimes. Many people mistake green for blue or vice versa. These two colors are quite close to each other. What other things can you think of that are the color blue? My mom always says blue is the color of the sky. Your mom is right. Now let's go outside and have a look at the big blue sky. And if the sun is shining and it's a clear day, when you look up, the sky is blue, isn't it? Yes, Leon, it looks beautiful. It is such a lovely shade of blue. My favorite shirt looks like the sky. So that means it is blue. Yes, that's right. There are many different kinds of blue. Ask your parents or teachers to help you find different kinds of blue at home or at school. Leon, is the grass the color blue? Well, actually, the grass is green. That's why other people refer to the garden lawn as green grass. Can I try again? Great stuff. Can you give us another example? My dad's favorite rugby team was the blue jersey. The team has got the blue bulls. The blue bulls. They are based in Pretoria. And what color is our springbok jersey? Green. Yes. Go, Bokka. Now, what else is the color blue? Other people's eyes are blue. Yes. Some people have blue eyes. When you think of the blue sky or sea, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel relaxed and happy. Blue can be cool and calming. And how do you feel when your lips turn blue? I am cold. That's right. When you have a bath or a shower, how do you know which tap the cold water will come from? You just look for the blue dot. That's the cold tap. Police cars have blue lights on top. That's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. Blue can symbolize importance or authority. Is the color blue found all over the world? Yes, Blessing. It may be called something else in another language, but you will find blue all over the world. Hey guys, I wrote a new song for you. Let's listen. From the deepest sea to the widest sky You find me in a rainbow and some people's eyes I'm the color of a marlin, could be the color of a butterfly I'm the color of a whale, I'm the color of a music style And I wonder if you could guess from all I said it's true I am the color My dad says he had a blue Monday. You're a good listener. Blue Monday does not mean that the day Monday is painted blue because you cannot see or touch Monday. Sometimes when people feel down, they say they feel blue. Like when your dad is sad that the weekend is over. Mondays feel blue. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready. Now go, cat, go, but don't you. Step on my blue suede 
down, step in my face, slander my name all over the place, and do anything that you wanna do. But uh uh, honey, lay up of my shoes, don't you step on my blue suede shoes. You can do anything but lay up of my blue suede shoes. My car, you drink my liquor from my old flute jar, and do anything that you wanna do. But uh uh, honey, lay up of them shoes and don't you step on my blue suede shoes. You can do anything but lay off of my blue suede shoes. For the show, free to get ready now. Go cast off a don't you step on my blue suede shoes? You can do anything but off of my blue suede shoes. But it's blue, blue, blue suede shoes. Blue, blue, blue suede shoes. Yeah, blue, blue, blue suede shoes, baby. Oh yeah, I hope that cured your blues. That was Carl Perkins singing Blue Suede Shoes. Today we have learned that there is lots of blue around us. And it tells us different things. What do we know that is blue? The sky. That's right, Blessing. The sea. Well done, mister. Police lights. On track. Cold water. Sharp sharp. Mondays. Wow, you've got it. <laughs> well done, Blessing. Well, that's all we have time for today, Blessing. Listeners, hope you enjoyed the show. This show was produced by Kim Winter, technical production by Cassie Lowers. I am Leon Fisser. Say goodbye, Blessing. Till next time, listeners. Bye. And remember to keep it sharp, sharp. And it is sharp, sharp. It's sharp, sharp. From the far road and down to the city. And it's sharp, sharp. It's sharp, sharp. From the taxi lamps to the coast. So and it's sharp shop, it's sharp shop From the monument down to Church Street Sharp shop, it's sharp shop In central town where 